Deuteronomy 34. I think there's a, a lot we can learn here tonight of our own lives, our own walk with the Lord. You might say at the start, well, how does this help me, Emmy? But bear with me. Deuteronomy chapter 34, beginning to read at verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was an hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force albeited. In verse 5 it says of our reading, Moses, so Moses the servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. Moses had rebelled. In fact, he had failed it more than anything. He was not fully tuned in at one point to what God had told him to do, unlike all men or all flesh. It's so easy to let yourself become too much in your own eyes. Moses was told by God to speak unto the rock, and he'd give the children of Israel water. But he said, what have I to do for you? Paraphrasing for time's sake. Have I to get water out of this rock? He starts feeling it's off himself. And he smites the rock instead of speaking to it. When God gives us a command, we are to keep his word as he says it, not as we deem fit to do it. And that's where Moses went wrong, yet he's still called the servant of the Lord. God's servants, whether it's in a pulpit or a pew, God's servants, whether it's the pastor, the preacher, or whether it's the Sunday school teacher or youth leader, or whether it's you where you are in work, God's servants are simply human beings, normal men, normal women, who have been called, blessed, and touched by the Spirit of God. That doesn't mean to say there's no mistakes made, because there is. Moses made a mistake. It doesn't mean to say that God takes you right out from that ministry, never to put you back again, because he does. And Moses had made a mistake, and the Lord says, for that you'll not see, or enter, pardon me, the promised land. You will see it, but you're not going to enter into the promised land. Now, that doesn't mean to say Moses was lost. It doesn't mean to say that the Lord had given up on Moses and suddenly, just before he reaches the promised land, that Moses is lost. When we look at uh, our reading in verse 7, it says, tells us Moses was 120 years old when he died. Now, think about this. 40 years, he's in a palace. The next 40 years, He's in the backside of a desert, being molded by God. And then the next 40 years, he's leading Israel through the wilderness toward the promised land. And you think of all of this, the palace and all it had, to this now, this uh, desert area, the backside of the desert, to the promised land. And God says, you can see it, but you're not entering into it. It sounds really unfair, but listen, when we look at the Word of God with hindsight, we understand why. That God hasn't given up on him because the last time Moses is mentioned is in the book of Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3. And he's called Moses, the servant of God. And they're singing the song of Moses, the servant of God and of the Lamb. You know what they're singing? Redemption through blood. Baptism through the water. Deliverance by the hand of God. That's what they're singing. And it comes from Moses telling them to put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the door lintels of their home. And they were acting on 
uh, in faith on the bare word which God had gave them. And that's all it took to believe God for what he says. And to believe that God says what he means and he means what he says. And if we do it, then there's a closer relationship happens when we obey his commands. God willing, time willing, I'll show you that. Notice what it says here in verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. Notice what it says at the, at the end of verse 7. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Moses is in the fullness of health, fullness of strength. Moses had 20-20 vision. It's better vision than I have with these big goggles on me. Moses was able to see. And he's 120 years old. There's sometimes there's things that happen to us, to family members and to loved ones, and we just can't understand how it's happened. And they're taken. And it's not until we arrive in the fullness of the kingdom that God will reveal these things unto us. And we will know as we are known. I'm going to see my loved ones that have died in the Lord. You will see your loved one who has died in the Lord. You will see them. They will know you. You will know them. And we'll understand more in the by and by. Sometimes things happen and we just can't get the grips with it. We don't understand why. And we must leave it to the sovereignty of God. Lord, I don't understand it, but I will leave it with you. It's not easy. Joshua found it hard. And in fact, in the book of Joshua, the Lord tells him, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Look, this is enough. Come on now, he says, there's a job for you to do. So whenever we're talked about, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, if we were to backtrack just one verse to verse 4, it says, And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So we can see here that there is, uh, a, a, if you want a, fore, a foreshadowing of the Bema seed of Christ. Paul says that every one of us as believers will stand before the Bema seat or the, the judgment seat of Christ. They give an account. Every one of us as believers, that's not the great white throne judgment of the sinner or the unbeliever, but a give an account of the things or the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or bad. The Bema seat was where we'll sit there and we will receive reward. We think of the parables. We'll maybe get a look at one in a moment. And the parable was, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thy into the joy of thy Lord. The service of the king in this life with the gift and the talents and the abilities that he's given to us, even when we think we can't, it's just that little or few things that he gives us, he expects us to be faithful in it and to be a servant of his until further notice. And so here we can see even in the parables where people would receive gain or loss. Moses had a loss in the sense that he didn't enter the promised land, but nevertheless, his spirit would be redeemed by blood, the blood of the Lamb. Now, when we look at this, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And the first time this exact phrase, now let me emphasize it to you, the exact phrase, the exact phrase, Moses, the servant of the Lord. Moses, the servant of the Lord. Of the Lord. Now, I'm going to show you something here because the exact phrase, this is the very first time it's mentioned in that way in Scripture, and Moses is about to die. And it shows us at times that when we're walking according to his word, we're actually walking out the word. We're walking out the belief in the word. 
we're following, as, as it were, in the new covenant, the Christ who is the Word of God. And as we're walking out the Word and what God is showing us and telling us, He brings us into servanthood, and sometimes we don't even look for it. We don't ask for it. But we enter up, we end up walking in it. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that great Baptist preacher, said that any man looking ministry should run and hide and he should try and get away from it as best he can with all his might. I sort of understand them at times. Because a servant has to die to self. We'll show you that as well in a moment. So the first time this exact phrase is used here in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 5, Moses is about to die, but it's not the first time he's been called the servant now. But this is this exact phrase. Then it is used again in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, there's it again, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun. It just shows you that it's not the man. It's the ministry. I'll say it again. It's not the man. It's the ministry. It's not the man. It's the Lord of the man. It's not the servant, but the master of the servant. And so they followed Moses. Now they're going to follow Joshua because the anointing was upon them. And so they followed the ministry and the servant. And this is how it happened. And God has people everywhere. And he wants to take men and women and use them as vessels. I think it was Allison prayed that. Someone prayed that. Use them as vessels anointed and filled with his spirit that he will say, it's not the man. It's not whether you're big or tall or small or whatever, whatever width you are. It doesn't matter. It's the heart and the emptiness of it to who you are, to where he can fill. Does that make sense? It's the empty heart. Sometimes we're so full of things of the world. Sometimes we're so full of, of worries and anxieties. There's only a certain amount God can do with us. And sadly, the worst thing is sometimes we're so full of who we are and what we want. God says, there's no room for me left. But when we die to become servants, when we die to self, then God can move freely in our lives. Notice this. 17 times, if you're writing down, I'm going to rhyme these off. 17 times the exact term, Moses, the servant of the Lord. (laughs) Moses, the servant of the Lord is mentioned. The first time, as we said, is in Deuteronomy 34, and verse 5. Thirteen times. Thirteen times it is mentioned in the book of Joshua. Now here's the thing. Moses is dead. And they're still continuing on. Moses a servant of the Lord. Moses a servant of the Lord. Moses a servant of the Lord. And he's dead. Yet this is the time that this phrase is used more than any others. And it's when Joshua becomes Joshua the servant of the Lord. Now, for 13 times throughout the book of Joshua, you'll read that exact phrase. Here they are. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 13. Chapter 8, verses 31 and 33. Chapter 11, verse 12. Twice it is mentioned in chapter 12 and verse 6. It is mentioned in chapter 13 and verse 8, chapter 14 and verse 7, chapter 18 and verse 7, chapter 22, verses 2, 4, and 5. Thirteen times. Then it is mentioned miscellaneously. Second Kings, chapter 18 and verse 12. Second Chronicles chapter one and verse two, and Second Chronicles chapter twenty-four and verse six. Three times miscellaneously, if you want, he is called Moses, the servant 
of the Lord. Yet every one of them, in that exact phrase, are after his death. A legacy left behind for a work that was done for God. He's dead and gone. He's just a man. I wonder, could we, could you, could I, in our own lives, not leave a legacy for something that we have done for God? A testimony. A work. This work. This building. This church. This plant. Something you've done. Whether it's in a Sunday school or a youth meeting or whatever it is. A house meeting. Whatever it may be. Leave a legacy for people will say, I remember that man opened his home. I remember that woman done this in the, with the children or done this a certain ministry here. And we leave a legacy serving the Lord everywhere we go. When we have, think of the, 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 the Protestant Reformation, we think of, automatically, we think of people uh, like Martin Luther. Look at the legacy he left behind him. In the face of danger, we think of others, whether it's John Calvin. You can go on and on and on. And whenever they're leaving their legacy behind, it's not them that's left behind, it's the Lord who worked through them. We think of, of John Wesley. We think of Charles Wesley with his hymns. The legacy that was left behind, if only after mentioning Charles Haddon Spurgeon. We think of others then. We think of the Pentecostal movement and the outpouring. We think of Topeka, Kansas, 1901. We think of Azusa Street. People think Azusa Street was the first. It wasn't. Topeka, Kansas, with Charles Parham, was the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Then it was in Topeka, Kansas, in 1905. We think of the great revivals. We think of, of, of George, George Jeffries. We think of the things that's happened here and over in the United States. We, we think of how the Lord blessed us with all of these people, but they left a legacy as servants of the Lord. I wonder, I wonder should the Lord tarry and in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, I wonder is there anybody alive today that's going to leave a true legacy for a great thing that God has done through them. Because all we hear today is apostasy. And all we hear today is worldliness, lukewarmness, that Laodicean church age, the church that makes Jesus want to spew them out of his mouth. I wonder will there be any George Jeffries, John G. Lakes in the healing ministries, Will there be anybody like that, that, that if the Lord should tarry, that those legacies as servants of the Lord, the Smith Wigglesworth of this world, and so on, I wonder will there be any legacy left behind? W.P. Nicholson and all those preachers. Moses, the servant of the Lord, in 1 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 49, he's called Moses, the servant of God. Now, the difference here seems to be he's a servant of Most High, that great Allah, that Elohim, the great creator. But when you say Moses, the servant of the Lord, it means Moses, the servant of Yahweh, Jehovah. You know what that tells me? It's not just Moses who knew the great creator, but he knew him. It's that relationship of personal walk with him. If you were to go into, when you go home, you're reading the, the, the account of Genesis chapter 1, and God said, and God said, and God said, Elohim, 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 said, 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 and so on. Then by the time you get into Genesis chapter 2, you start reading down, it starts to say, and the Lord God. That's Yahweh or Jehovah Elohim. That is, that's the word of God. Coming to man, the Lord Jesus himself. Walking with Adam in the cool of the day. Notice that. And it speaks of relationship. 
So he's a man who knows the great God of all creation. Our brother Stephen just prayed it earlier on. You were thinking of that today. The creation and looking around and what God has done. And not only are we to know there's a God of creation, but we are to know the God of creation. And he is in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord God. That's why he's called the Lord Jesus Christ. God come down and filled in flesh. So here we read in 1 Chronicles 6 and 49. Write these down also and be something for you to study when you get home or through the week, throughout the week. He's also called Moses the servant of God in 2 Chronicles chapter 24 and verse 9. In Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse 29. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 11. And as I said, it finishes in Revelation 15 and verse 3. They sang the song of Moses, the servant of God and of the Lamb. So, in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 8. He is called by Yahweh. Personable voice comes and says of Moses, My servant Moses. Okay? It makes me think of when we go to John's Gospel, and John talks about, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And when Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan, he says, this is my, not my servant, this is my beloved son. How greater an honor has Christ than Moses? Full of grace and truth. So when we look at this, he's called my servant Moses. Now Joshua chapter 1 and verse 15, Joshua calls him Moses the Lord's servant. And in Joshua chapter 9, verse 24, again, he's referred to as his, that is Yahweh's servant, Moses. So, Moses, a servant of the Lord, servant of Yahweh. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 1, Listen to what it says. The people say this about Moses. He's way up to Mount Sinai. And he's way up there and he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. And they think he's not coming back. Listen to what they say. Exodus 32 verse 1. It also mentions it again in Exodus 32 and verse 23. But let me read verse 1. They say, Moses the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt. They ask where he is. Notice, Moses the man. Moses the man. He's only a man. They're right. That's all he was. He was only a man. But here we notice something different about him. For example, in Exodus chapter 11 and verse 3, listen to what it says. The man Moses. Exodus 11 and verse 3, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servant and in the sight of the people. Now let me just show you what's happening here. He is brought up as Pharaoh's daughter's son. He has, he's the prince of Egypt. He's everything at his disposal. Moses is there with all the luxury and all the pleasures and all the riches that he he could have in Egypt. He's doing great. And listen to what it, how, how it refers to him. The man Moses. Do you know what it's like? It's as if it's saying, you're the man. You're the man. You see his prestige. He has prestige and was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. He's the man. Look at him. A man elevated in the sight of the people. Now, Exodus 32, verse 1. Let's read it again. Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt. You know what you'll find? 
Here's a bit of... The first one is the finger of respect. The man Moses. He's great. He's great. He's a hero. Now, in those who have been redeemed, now in those whom he's been leading, it's now the finger of blame. Moses the man. Where is he? What's he done for us? Isn't it, isn't it wonderful how people forget what you've done for them so quickly? Isn't it? Isn't, isn't it amazing? And it's amazing how you can go from being a hero to a zero. Like that. We story one time of a man and he stopped speaking to his best friend. His best friend couldn't get him to bother with him at all. And he says, what have I done to you? He says, have, I, have I done anything to hurt you or annoy you? The man didn't speak to him. He says, look, when your child wasn't well, did I not sit at her bedside? Yeah, you did. When your son got into trouble and the police came to arrest him, did I not go with you to the station and sit and try and get him out with you and put up the bail even? Yeah, you did. That's true. And whenever you were feeling ill, did I not go and do all your chores and do all the, around the house for you to make sure you were okay? And tell you, yeah, you did, you did, you did. And whenever your, your wife needed lifted from the group with the groceries and brought home that time, didn't I do that for you? And yeah, you did, you did, you did. Have I not always been there for many, many occasions and brought you gifts? He says, yes, you did. Yeah, absolutely, you did. He says, then what have I done on you? Why did you stop speaking to me? He says, because you stopped doing it. Ah, you see? Because that's human nature, isn't it? You stop doing it. The old saying is, if you create a monster, remember, you're going to have to feed it. And Moses here, what did he do? It goes from being Moses, the man. This man, Moses. Poor Moses. And he's only up trying to get what God has for them. Now, can you imagine when he comes down and the people have rose up to play and made the golden calves and so on? Can you imagine Moses now, the man Moses, who is now this man Moses, how he's trying to give them what God's word says? Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Hold on a wee minute. So we find that 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 prestige soon burns away. But remember, the best of men are only men at their best. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. Listen to what it says. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. (laughs) I'll be honest now, that's one verse I struggle with. Moses. Oh, you're as meek as Moses. That's where it comes from. Is that the same Moses who said, come over to me, and because some of the sons of Korah didn't, the earth split open and swallowed them up. Is this the same Moses who went and, and, and done as the Lord said, but had plagues come? Is this the same Mo- in Egypt? Is this the same Moses who, who seen people itching with fleas and flies and lice? Is this the same Moses who done all of this? Who God used to do this? And you're saying, hold on a minute. No, he was meek. See, what we're missing out here, it's not Moses' strength or power. It was the Lord's. And it's when you're at your meekest, now notice I didn't say weakest. Meekest. Don't mistake meekness for weakness. When you're at your meekest, that's when God moves the most. So, Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 1. Again, he is called Moses, the man of God. Now, from Deuteronomy 33 and verse 1 until Deuteronomy 34 and verse 5, where he's called Moses, the servant of the Lord. Notice, he's the man of God. Moses, the man of God, the man of God. You know, can you see it? Oh, he's the man of God. No, 
Now he's the servant of the Lord and you're dying. And we tend to take it that when we hear these words, he's a man of God. No. Now he's just the servant. We tend to think it's been a, a demotion. But it hasn't been. Because as far as God's concerned, he's a man whom he's used, and he's still Moses, the servant of God in Revelation 15. But it's an acknowledgement. Now listen to what I say. It's the acknowledgement of the heights in God that Moses has been elevated to. Being a servant. Yeah. Listen. He's also called Moses a man of God in Joshua 14 and 6. In 1 Chronicles 23 and 14. In 2 Chronicles 30 and 16. In Ezra 3 and 2. And in Psalm 90 is the Psalm of Moses. Psalm 90 and verse 1 he pens. Oh I know Moses the man of God. But by the time it comes here. He's demoted the servant. No, no, no. (laughs) No, no. He's been lifted up to the place of servant. God says it. He's been it. God says it. Shows him it. Remember a man said to me one time, and he's so right. I I never really seen it. He said, he said, Ken, a man laying hands on you doesn't make you a pastor when they bring you into the work. That's not what makes you a pastor. That's nothing to do with it. All they're doing is acknowledging what God's already done in you and the heart he's given you for the shape. And that's the acknowledgement of the leadership. Moses had the servant's heart. This was the laying of hands to bring him ready, not only for death, but into the kingdom. So, Moses, the name Moses, actually it's pronounced Moshe, but we'll stick with Moses. It's mentioned 848 times in the scriptures. When I say the scriptures now, I'm talking about the King James Bible, because it may be changing other (coughs) spurious versions. It is mentioned 848 times in 784 verses throughout the scriptures. Moses' name means drawn. D-R-A-W-N. Drawn. And it comes from Exodus 2 and 10 when he's drawn from the bulrushes, from the little ark, drawn by the arms of the maid and the daughter then of Pharaoh, or Pharaoh's daughter, drawn. He's lifted out of the water. In Exodus chapter 3, and verse 3, Moses, as I said, in the backside of the desert, Moses sees a burning bush. Now, folks, people think a burning bush is like one of those wee tumbleweed things you see in a western. You know, a burning bush could have been 15 feet or more high, tall. And they weren't uncommon because of the heat. Many of them would have went in fire. The difference was this one was burning but was not consumed. Again, it was prayed tonight. And what it should be is a picture of every Christian burning for Christ but not consumed. You're allowed to be tired in the work because you're human, you're flesh, but don't get tired of it. Servanthood does not get tired off it. Servants need to sleep. Servants need to rest. But they don't get tired of what God is doing with them. Now I notice this. It says in Exodus 3 and 3, And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. Verse 4, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called unto him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. 
What do they call Moses? He means drawn. His name means drawn. The bush drew him. He stopped and he turned aside. As soon as the Lord said, now you're ready. Now you're ready. You're ready for the calling. But listen, there's another step coming. Watch this. Moses, Moses, the calling's in him. You're my Lord. I'm here. And as he starts going over, his name means drawn from water, coming from the river, drawn from the water. Now he's drawn by the fire. The burning bush, he's drawn to it. He's drawn by the word, the voice, and the call of God. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 5. Listen to what the Lord says. Now Moses is drawn. He's calling him and he's drawn. Moses can't help himself here. There's a wee term known in the scriptures for our salvation where God calls us and draws us and it's called irresistible grace. You just can't help yourself because he calls you, draws you. Now notice And he said, Exodus 3 and 5, and he said, draw not nigh hither. Now, Lord, you're calling me, now you're telling me to stop. The actual way it reads in the Hebrew is, stop coming any closer. That's far enough. You see, you and I have the habit of this. The Lord's calling me. Right, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to do everything. I used to do that all the time. I want to do everything. I used to drive a bus for the scouts, and I wasn't even in the scouts. That's true. I was out every night of the week. I was out all day Saturday. I was out all day Sunday. I'd done the Sunday school. You name it, I'd done the youth. I'd done everything. And me and Alison were engaged. We're going to be getting married. And she says to me, Kay, can you just give up the bus? It's a Friday night. We're going to one night. And I said, if you're going to hinder me from God's work, I'm not getting married. <laughs> Dear lover, I don't know how she stuck me. But you know what? She was right and I was wrong. Really, the voice should have been like, okay, Ken, slow down, hold on. Moses, draw not thy hither. Listen, put thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place where all thou standest is holy ground. You know what God was saying to Moses? You've come so far. He says, but just stop where you are. I want to deal with you. I want to speak to you. See, God does not ultimately forbid men and women to approach him. But Moses here is not yet ready, for he does not yet recognize the presence nor the nature of the God he'll serve. Do you know what the Lord's saying? You don't realize what you're getting into. Now, are you sure you want to serve? Because <laughs> I'll take the dealing and I'll show you part of my glory. It'll cost. Oh, salvation is free, but it'll cost, brother, sisters. And even in our assembly, if we want his glory, it will cost us. Cost us in service and faithfulness. In prayer, it'll cost us. Put thy shoes from off thy feet. Now, this is where I was bringing you to from a point I'd made earlier on. It was believed that when one had their shoes taken off from their feet, it was a sign of acceptance that they had a servant's position. For from then onward, they walked in bare feet. And men knew that's the servant of their master. The Lord says, Whoa, you don't understand me. If you want to serve me, then you will serve me. Take your shoes off. Brothers and sisters, what shoes do we need to take off tonight to serve him? Shoes of self or shoes of the love of something else or shoes of whatever. Let the Lord 
Just lay that on you now. When he says, take your shoes off. And then you can come closer. Lord, you tell me what to do. Take your shoes off. And then the Lord lays it on us. We say, Lord, it's yours. It's done. Now I'll bring you closer. And you can know me. Here we see the difference of being drawn by the flesh from the river and being drawn by the fire of the Spirit. See the difference? One was in to the opulence of a worldly palace. The other one is to the nakedness of the feet. The dying to self that you may be elevated to servitude. Do you know a servant of the Lord has a higher position than the greatest king of the world? How do you know? Unto him who hath loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto our God. Be glory, he says. It's the difference. I was going to get all Pentecostal on you. I felt the Holy Ghost and I was going to... See, the flesh here, it gives an idea of the Old Testament drawn from the rivers, the Old Testament. That's the old covenant that Moses has. The, 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 the Spirit is the new covenant in Christ, the better covenant. And it doesn't matter if you're Israelite. It's the new covenant that God looks for. It's those who are in his Son. It doesn't matter your flesh or what color you think your flesh is or should be. It's the Spirit and the drawing of the Spirit's fire. And the relationship with God. The servanthood of man and woman taking their shoes from off their feet to say, Lord, I'm laying it all down. I'm going to die to self that you may live through me. I'm all right for another five minutes. Time's slowing. He's okay for another five minutes. Deuteronomy 34 and verse 5 says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. Now we read the next verse. The Lord buries him. And... The book of Jude, verse 9, it's only one week chapter there, verse 9, it tells us that, that uh, Michael the archangel and Satan, they war about it. They have a contention about the body of Moses. And many have tried to figure out why. It may well be that if Moses' tomb was there, people would elevate the man of God again, you know? He's the servant of the Lord. And people would go around a shrine as, as they do in Mecca or as they do in other places. And God doesn't want us to have earthly idols. But he wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God buries him and nobody knows where he's buried. But on resurrection day, wherever he is, the Lord's just going to call him out. If Moses had a tombstone or a gravestone, a headstone, his epitaph would be like this. It would be so simple. It wouldn't be not Moses, the prince of Egypt, not Moses, the murderer of an Egyptian and the, the protector of the Israel. It wouldn't be Moses, the shepherd in the wilderness, or it wouldn't be Moses, the spokesman of the nation. It wouldn't be Moses the great leader, nor Moses the lawgiver. It wouldn't be Moses the tabernacle builder, nor the mountain climber. It wouldn't be Moses the miracle worker, nor Moses the prophet. It wouldn't even be Moses the man who spoke with God as face to face like a friend speaks with another. It wouldn't be Moses who saw a peace, the back parts of God's glory. It wouldn't be Moses the man who was mightily used of God. It wouldn't be Moses the man who never entered the promised land even. It wouldn't be any of those. The tombstone would simply say, Moses, 
a servant of the Lord. To be satisfied with being simply the servant of the Lord. I'll say it again. To be satisfied with being simply the servant of the Lord is the most blessed and satisfying place for you to be. It is a precious place and it's a precious time in your life. Remember this. When the master is glorified, the servants are satisfied. When the master is glorified, the servants are satisfied. Lord, we couldn't do this. We don't know how it's all come about. You have done it. And I'm just satisfied with us. In 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 8, if you read that chapter and you go home, the queen of Sheba comes to visit Solomon and all his wisdom and wealth. And she looks around and sees the servants of Solomon. And listen to what she says. Happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and not hear thy wisdom. Happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. Solomon's wisdom being spoken out. These servants were serving. They were laboring. They were working. But they realized outside of him they had nothing. But they were so satisfied. It means blessed. Not just they were happy. They were blessed beyond measure. Why? Because they heard the wisdom of Solomon. They were in the presence of their king. And as long as he got the glory on the throne, they were happy and blessed. That's the heart of a servant. The privileged position of servanthood can be found throughout the scriptures, especially the gospels, where Christ served the disciples. Read Luke 22, verses 25 to 27. In John chapter 12, verses 25 and 26, when you go home and Jesus speaks about being a servant. Listen to Puritan Thomas Watson on service. We may be losers for him. We shall never be losers by him. Listen to David Guzik's commentary on this. If one is truly a servant of the Lord, it can be demonstrated by a simple test. How they react when someone treats them as a servant. That's a test, isn't it? Well, I want to serve you. And he says, well, here, I want you to do this. But I don't want to do that. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I prayed and prayed. Lord, use me. Do anything with me. Go anywhere you want me to. And the Lord one morning says to me, I want you to sell all you have, give it away, everything, and go to Romania. And I went, Lord, but I don't want to go there. Well, we did. We did. Give it all away, man. Everything. I'm closing this. Thank you, because we've been long tonight. Hebrews 11, 24 to 27, speaks of Moses by faith leaving that palace that we spoke of, esteeming, verse 26 says, esteeming, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. The word reproach here is, he took defamation. He knew people would think he was mad. He knew he'd be talked about. The riches here is not only wealth, but fullness of bestowment. Everything that Pharaoh could give him, he wedded up with what Christ had to offer. He had respect. The word respect here means to turn the eyes away from, another, from other things and fix them on someone or something else. To look attentively upon it, steadfastly with a mental gaze, keeping completely on that subject. Turned it away from everything. He says, Lord, I just want to serve you. He's starting to die to self. Recompense of the reward. He had respect on the recompense of the Lord. You know what it means? 
He had respect. He looked because he knew the wages were better. <laughs> the wages were better. What, sure he lost everything and ended up in the, in the wilderness for backside of the desert for 40 years? Yeah. But you see, he just wasn't paid yet. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 25, he says to those whom he gives the talents to and who duplicated, as it were, their talents, multiplied them. Verse 21, he says it a couple of times, but just for time's sake, he said this, his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thy into the joy of thy Lord. Notice, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, if you and I want to know more of God, we must become servants. Ah, and this is the last verse. I'm just going to look it up. Ah, somebody says, no, 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 no. There's a wee verse in John chapter 15. And in John chapter 15, the Lord says this. He says that we are not servants anymore, but friends. He does. But if you read that, he says, ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. That's servanthood. Be my servant. Do you know who your best friend is? The one who serves you the most. That's your friend. Christ came and he served. And he served us by going to the cross. So I was going to read there, but it's just too much to read. I didn't want to go through a whole lot of our scriptures. You can read John 15 and what the Lord says, and if I hadn't written down. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, how about saying, Lord, I want to leave a legacy. I want to die to self. Use me whether it's in Christ Encounters Tabernacle, whatever gifts and talents, use me, whether it's the faithful heart that he's given you, whether it's in prayer, whether it's doing something else for him. But let him, let him work through you. But you must, and I must, we must die to self. That God would say, no, you're a vessel that I can use. God bless his word to us. In Jesus' name's sake. Amen.